Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We can just start with the one thing that we can all control is those three meals a day that we eat. You know, yes, people fly and yes, people might drive a car and maybe not everyone can afford an electric car or they don't agree that's the right choice. But what what the really easy thing we control is what we eat every single day. I'm Dr. Rupi and this is the Doctor's Kitchen podcast, the show about medicine, food, lifestyle and how you can improve your health today. My guests are Henry Firth and Ian Theesby. Yes, they are the duo that make up Bosch. You've probably already heard of Bosch because they are the UK's leading vegan influencers. Back in 2016, they posted a video that went viral pretty much overnight and now 2 billion views later and an average of 26 million views a month. They are the UK's best-selling vegan authors with their latest book, Healthy Vegan, that's also a Sunday Times bestseller. And I'm very privileged to say that I also wrote the foreword for that book as well. They also host the UK's first vegan cookery series on mainstream TV called Living on the Veg. You can catch it on ITV, and I think it's a fantastic show that makes plant-based eating a lot more accessible and it's something that I wrote about in the foreword too. There's also another connection between me, Henry and Ian, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Nish Bedi, who's a urologist who's also been on the podcast when we talked about eating for your bladder and eating for urological complaints. He actually connected us a number of years ago and since then we've collaborated on a few projects, I've done a few recipes for them uh, and I even went through the nutritionals uh, on their first book as well which I completely forgot about and we talk about that on the show. Um, This show is a little bit different, we talk about how they got into plant-based eating, what their mission is and actually how they create culture within their company Uh, and how they get on as a duo because having co-founders is pretty much like having a marriage, uh, a proper relationship. Um, We touch on a few things with regards to uh, veganism and nutrition, but I think overall you're going to find a different perspective on these two because um, after the podcast we were talking and we we talked a bit about how honest this conversation was and just how natural it was too. it's testament to the fact that I just think these guys are doing a fantastic thing, uh, getting more plants on plates, um, and how they're very relaxed about it as well. I think um, many people, when they think of veganism, they think it's quite an aggressive sort of community, whereas actually I think they do their community a lot of good, um, and it's a, it's a great to have them as spokespeople too. Um, I cook one of their incredible dishes in their latest book. It's a Goran-style curry. 
um, where I used banana blossom for the first time. And I tell you what, making the paste from scratch was such a good idea because it's just a wonderful, flavorful paste. You can check it out on YouTube and make sure you give this podcast a five-star review. It really does help spread the message. We read all the comments and we'll be doing a competition with the comments soon as well. Check out my uh, guests uh, at Bosch. I'll put all the links on the podcast show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this as well. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to have a great conversation. Sit back, listen, relax, and I really hope you enjoy this chat. So, guys, thank you very much for coming in the kitchen. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's good course. to be here. And you're testing out the new mics for us as well. well yeah. They look good. Thanks. Yeah, they're, they're very good. Yeah, That's they're pretty the main cool. reason why <laughs> we've got them. We were just saying they look kind of a bit like an angle poise lamp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember having those everywhere. when I was a, a kid yeah, doing my GCSEs. So cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the, yeah, it's the Pixar um, logo, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, it's right. the Pixar one. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you you're watching movies. I'll watch kids' movies, all standard. Obviously, highbrow. Uh, so guys, I'm going to be cooking you a recipe from your book, uh, the one that I did the foreword for. Yeah. This one right here? Yeah, that one right there. The blue one. Oh, the blue one. Good looking thing, isn't it? It's mm. quite nice that you've got a burger on the Look front of it. And foreword oh, yeah. by Dr. Rupi. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. There Thank you go. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> so this is the Goan style curry um, with banana blossom that I've never cooked before. So this is going to be interesting. Um, an awesome ingredient already. I think it's kind of got like the texture of jackfruit. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really nice. And I had to go to the Filipino store around the corner to, to get banana blossom. You can get it online as well. But then he also gave me these, uh, which are green wow. beans. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> which king green beans, yeah. King green they beans, yeah. I mean, these are massive. They're so, so long. I know. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I, I'm going to chop great. them, don't worry. You don't want to yeah. get one of those in your teeth. No, so. absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've already made the paste uh, that is also in the book as well. Beautiful mm -hmm. flavors in this. Cumin, coriander seed, garlic, ginger. Amazing. Really, really. And I love... The fact that a lot of your recipes actually go into the pace and stuff. I remember you telling me you yeah. went hard on curry. Oh yes, yeah. we <laughs> did. Our publisher actually just told us, look, for your next book, we, you've got enough curries now. Uh -huh. Let's dial back on the spice a bit. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. yeah, we go deep. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good. And you do your research as well, which I love. Um, so I'm gonna get cracking with this. I've uh, got some veg stock, got a bit of coconut milk, um, some mushrooms, gonna bulk it up a bit some of the, um, the uh, banana blossom that I've just got marinating in the tamarind. Nice. Another beautiful ingredient that you guys use a lot. And um, yeah, we're gonna get cracking. So tell me about the book, man. Incredible. I mean, I already know about the book because yeah. I read the book and I did the foreword for it because I, I love you guys. But yeah, tell me a bit more about it. Well, I mean, you know, I have to get this off my chest even before we talk about the book. Banana blossom. I actually saw one uh, a few months ago in, in real life growing. Did you actually? When I was in Bali, oh, yeah. yeah. There was uh, this swimming pool and there was a banana tree there and there was this thing hanging off the bottom, this like, kind of almost uh, conical shaped uh, <laughs> item. I was like, I'm sure that's a banana blossom. It's definitely a banana tree. It looks like that's a blossom. So I Googled it. I was like, yep, that's a banana blossom. There so there you go. made it into your book? That's not I'm this gonna, one. It, this one had to get canned, but, yeah. um, but they are real things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, th the first time we ever had banana blossom was a place in Stoke Newington. It's a vegan, oh, it's a fish and chip shop that had like jumped on the vegan bandwagon. We rocked up there because we heard that this vegan fish and chips was to die for. And, um, and we tried it and we, we were like, goodness me, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So yeah, the, the sort of flakiness of it like is a perfect mimicry for um, fish. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I suppose this is like the inspiration for the Goan style curry. Exactly. Right? We wanted exactly. a Goan fish curry. Gotcha. And so gotcha. we're using banana blossom to be the fish in this one. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so the book, you asked about the book. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, so the book. Um, so, yeah, it's called Bosch Healthy Vegan. It's the, our fourth book, our third cookbook. Um, and, yeah, it's the first time we've sort of dipped our toe into 100% healthy. We worked with a, a NHS registered dietitian and... Um, it kind of if you were to live your life eating food from that book you would you'd be in pretty good shape i feel mm. because and obviously there's a, a bunch of stuff at the beginning of the book as well not only recipes but like um our attitude and philosophy to kind of good living be it um positive mindset or the way that you sleep or anything else like that it's a good book if i don't say myself <laughs> uh, well we'll have to find out what you think yeah. of the recipe Ruby. yeah yeah well this will be one of the first recipes that i'm actually cooking from it because um when you guys sent it to me uh, i never got a chance to actually cook the recipe so this is like perfect timing i'm sure it's going to be great because yeah. your other books are incredible so tell me about the journey man because um we actually we met through a mutual friend of mine mm-hmm. of ours rather yeah. um uh nish betty who's been on the podcast yes, he has, yeah. Yeah. urological surgeon lovely dude uh we met in Sydney and I remember him telling me about you guys back then and he was like you know you should meet my mates um, they're doing like you know this vegan thing and mm. it's, it's getting traction um, but your story obviously starts way way before then yes mm-hmm. um, funny story about Nish actually because um, I actually oh, I had a tell, like tell us a funny story about Nish <laughs> yeah. <that> one. <laughs> uh, if you do if you have listened to that podcast you'll uh, hear that Nish is a very very intelligent guy and he's a urologist and he will have been talking about, you know, how to how men should eat if they've got um, they've got issues. Yeah. And um, so he's really, really very learned. Yeah. But he was so nervous. Yeah. And so I had a big chat with him the day before just oh, to kind of like, you know, let him because I think he being a urologist, he was concerned about the science and if he misrepresented some science. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's a different skill set that you're now employing to come and chat to people on a podcast where you take things a bit more lighthearted to writing papers and like being a proper surgeon Mm -hmm. but yeah Nish is a good mate of ours Um, and yeah he introduced us we were we were setting up Bosch we had this new vision that plant-based food was um, important for planetary health and for the health of humanity as well about four years ago we realized there weren't enough recipes out there in the world Mm. and we were fueled by this desire to save the planet nothing less uh, than save the planet. So we set up the world's biggest vegan cafe, only it was on Facebook and you have to bring your own ingredients, cook your own food and do the washing up. Yeah, it's been quite a, a wild ride because when we first set up Bosch, neither Henry and I um, are trained cooks. Our background isn't in cooking. So we kind of had to... Um, teach ourselves on the job and to be honest with you if we look back at some of the original recipes um videos we put out you kind of think ah you could have done with a little bit more cumin there or yeah. oh you've yeah. gone heavy on the oil yeah. um but now it's sort of like yeah so we kind of threw ourselves into this journey because we were very um we were very passionate about it because it's we feel that like vegan food is something that you really can get passionate about because it's like the three main pillars and then the fourth we'll probably talk about in a second as well which is obviously um animal agriculture and how bad it is for the environment uh, animal agriculture and how bad it is for the animals and then um human health because my mum always told me i don't know if your mum told you always eat your greens and we've kind of taken that literally yeah, yeah. 
but then the fourth pillar is kind of um, social justice and how um, like yeah the food choices the West make is obviously very very bad for the majority of people in maybe slightly lesser well-off nations yeah. and that's a big one for us yeah, yeah it's huge I mean you, you've written a, like a, um, a non-cookbook I don't know what you call those <laughs> no, oh, oh, the, non-fiction uh, they, they would call it uh, the smart thinking yeah, smart category yeah and it's, yeah. it's how to live vegan yeah it's a how-to guide yeah so you've really put like a lot of those sort of principles into that book I, I remember um, reading it because you, you you gave me a copy of it as well. Yeah. Um, you got an endorsement by Russell Brand as well. I noticed yeah, on the front, which is great. Yeah. Um, but uh, this must have taken a while for you guys to actually come to this way of thinking. So take me back before you started Bosch and, and how you were living your life back then and, mm. and how you sort of like transitioned on your journey. Sure. I guess um, we, we came from the startup world. Yeah. So we were both mates living in the same flat. And uh, I'd founded this company and then Ian was in between jobs and I was like, dude, come help me out with this company. So he did. So together we set up this thing called Ping Tune, <laughs> where you ping your mate's tunes. That was the ping idea. Tune. Ping yeah. Tune, yeah. Oh, I didn't know the name of it. Yeah, yeah it was ping called Ping Tune. tune. Yeah. Okay, great. And um, the, it was a messaging app before messaging apps really, really kicked off. Gotcha, okay. If, we, if we'd been a bit smarter, we might have pivoted into something like TikTok. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we didn't. Yeah, and yeah. So, uh, we well, did to be th- fair, I think TikTok, um, for those of people who don't know, it's like mm. one of the main social media channels that is like growing rapidly. But I think like back then, mate, it probably would have been way too early. Yes. Because yeah. you would have needed Snapchat and then Instagram and the stories and then everything else to essentially like teach people how to interact with that sort of platform. Absolutely. So, I think at that point, the hardware wouldn't have been there either because it's like sort of video based. So mm. it's like TikTok um, and Snapchat have kind of come about because the, um, the phones have got better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we're working together in this startup and we got used to working together and we got used to the thrill of building something of your own rather than working in a, in a job. But it, didn't, it lacked purpose and we'd raised money into that company. We ended up pushing it down and, and, and wrapping it up in the end and uh, learned a lot of lessons from that. And I guess both of us just went searching for something with a bit more meaning. Mm-hmm. And then we both discovered vegan food separately. Yeah, um, my sort of um, response to finding veganism and wanting to pure, pursue it as a career was to um, head back to Sheffield, where we're both from, and um, set up a vegan cafe. Because, I mean, my philosophy was, okay, um, I want to show people that vegan food is really, really good. And my, like, matter-of-fact kind of... Um, attitude to it was just actually put food on people's plates um so we went back to sheffield for around about four or five months and found one of my friends who was also in a bit of a sort of place where he wanted to do something different and um yeah we kind of started looking for new spaces in sheffield um as for potential places and we kind of went quite far down the line and then henry called me up and was like uh mate i think this uh, idea of a cafe of yours is a good one but yeah. <laughs> I think I can counter your idea of a cafe and say, why don't we open a, a vegan cafe for the whole world on the internet? And my initial response was like, you're crackpot. No, we're not doing that. Um, but after a little bit of cajoling and gentle persuasion, Henry was like, uh, persuaded me to come back down and uh, 
that I came back down, I think it was on the 23rd of May, 2016. Mm. I remember that because 23rd it was... 23rd of May, 2016, yeah, that, exactly. And okay. our first video came out on the, in, on the 16th of June, 2016. Okay. The reason why I remember is because I was coming back down to London because it was Hull City versus Sheffield Wednesday in the, uh, <laughs> in the playoff final. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad's a Stoke, um, a Hull City fan, so... Really, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you started this project mm. and the idea was to create, a, as you beautifully put it right there like the world's first online vegan cafe where you bring your own materials your own ingredients and you do your own washing up um but like what was the what was the plan like what what was like I, i'm assuming you guys didn't have jobs then or um yeah we were kind of both in between um but but knew it would be fairly straightforward to build something up again mm-hmm. i think the plan was it was the plan was never to feature us as part of bosch gotcha. but the plan was to create a vegan version of tasty buzzfeed's tasty those videos had just become super popular that were top down and there was nothing vegan there were no good vegan recipes that we were aware of and so we thought let's just build a brand that's why we got a name bosch that sounds like a brand and eventually we'll make food and and we'll kind of build this this kind of all these products and solutions around this brand but to begin with let's just give people recipes for free and put this resource out there because ultimately that will reduce the number of um, like high carbon meals that are getting made and it'll improve people's health. So the plan was start making videos, work really hard, become really like big on Facebook and then work it out. Work it out there after. Work it out later on, Literally just going head first and like you didn't really have like a business plan as such or like you know, a strategy. Well, there or... was, do you know, it's, it's interesting you ask, right? Because I, I looked and I found a manifesto from early 2017. Yeah. So that would have been six months after we'd kicked off. Okay. And um, I remember we were sat in the Hoxton Hotel in, in London. We were sat in the Hoxton Hotel in London and we uh, manifested our thoughts down onto a Google document. And this Google document, it's only about four pages long, but it does say, we will build the biggest plant-based vegan publishing channel, Mm -hmm. launch the biggest vegan cookbook, um, get the first vegan TV show, and then the fourth thing was get a range of products in supermarkets. Yeah. So that was three years ago. Yeah. That's insane. So yeah. there was kind of a strategy that we've adhered to, but it took longer than we thought. But, that, and the, but as you said, that strategy came after six months of building an audience and yeah. sort of realizing that in actual fact, we've, we're onto something here. Vegan um, as um, kind of philosophy is growing and more and more people are becoming interested in it. And we're kind of forging a, um, a place like as one of the influences in the space. So yeah, I think the business plan came after the audience. And um, yeah, it's been... Pretty, pretty good. So now we've just put pen to paper on the next kind of goals. Tell yes. us about those. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't leave us on the hang about. Well, there's a few, like, we, we were talking about it before, right? About, like, there's, um, obviously, the book thing has done really, really well. Um, so we're going to c- continue, uh, like, kind of keeping our sort of place at the top of the tree when it comes to vegan cookbooks. Um, Hopefully, uh, we've got this TV show now, so hopefully the next stage on that is to the continuation of and getting another TV show in. And then um, we've already got a couple of products in supermarkets. Yeah. We've got the cl- collaboration with Kettle Chips. We've got our brand on Vitalite, which is kind of part... Um, partly kind of advertising our new uh, platform Bosch method which we can talk about in a minute but then yeah we're working on our actual own products so that's going to be another sort of thing that we'll yeah, build out yeah. on yeah but it's interesting this whole goal setting thing because um 
we, you, we set that and then we didn't look at it again. It wasn't something we came back to every six months and thought, are we achieving this? We set it, we set our intentions, and then we pretty much forgot about it and just got on with month-by-month, day-by-day decisions. Um, But I do find it helps to steer you if you spend that time to sit down and put your intentions on paper, and your mind almost subconsciously just makes that your direction. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a useful exercise to do. Um, But I think also it's important to state that our number one goal is all about improving the health of the planet Mm. and the number of people eating plant-based meals so we're not about converting people to go vegan but we are about getting more people to have more vegan and plant-based meals and maybe even rebranding the word so that we've got a more inclusive um dip your toe in kind of approach Mm. to the word vegan i'm really glad you mentioned that because this is definitely something that i wanted to chat about in a little bit more detail because i think sometimes the word can be off-putting for a lot of people who would have otherwise dipped their toe yes because you know it it makes it seem like it's either this way or you you can't do it and you can't label yourself a vegan um so we should definitely talk about that. And the other thing I do, I, I want to mention is uh, the, the goal setting thing I think is fantastic. I had no idea that that's yeah. what you guys did. And it's honestly, it kind of gives me goosebumps because <laughs> I think, you know, the fact that it was in front of mind the whole time you had it tucked away in a little Google document, mm. it must have, you know, sat in your brain literally. And yeah. it's now manifesting itself into the books, the TV shows, the products, etc. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating that's how the mind works, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm a big believer on that. It's mm. like, you know, people, some people call it the secret or law of attraction yeah. or whatever. But I think, you know, there is some science behind goal setting, setting your objectives, uh, having your metrics and your key results uh, and executing on that as well. And you don't have to be f- fastidious about it every single day, mm. but as long as you know the general sort of direction, you'll meander toward it. Completely. Yeah, and you mentioned the key results thing. I presume you're up to speed with OKRs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I've for just the be- set them for my company. <laughs> good actually. man, yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. Um, for the benefit of any of your listeners yeah. or viewers, um, OKRs uh, is objectives and key results. And that's the way that like, Google and a lot of future thinking startups are articulating their plans and then having measurable results that they can look for and things they want to achieve. And yet it's something we're looking to do more and more mm-hmm. as we grow is be a bit more religious at looking at them every month. Yeah, totally. Because I think like, um, so the OKR document uh, that my friend sent me, he, he started a company called Yieldify um, mm. a few years ago now. It's one of the fastest growing tech companies in the UK. And he sent me this uh, video of, um, I'll link to it in the show notes actually, the podcast. Uh, It's a guy from Google talking to a whole bunch of people outside and inside Google about how everyone, regardless of the size of your company, should Mm. be setting OKRs. Even if your company is just one, you should be setting your object. And so objectives and key results are essentially making uh, more transparent the general uh, top level direction of your company by, okay, what do you want to achieve? I want to write a book or I want to um, have a community uh, where I can teach them about X, Y, Z. And then your key results will be the metrics by which you measure that objective measure. And then you come back to that Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, or you can do it biannually as well. And I just think it's like the tech guys have been doing this for years. I think Mm. uh, it was IBM who even started it and then Google sort of like gone thereafter. Mm. Um, But it's, I I think it's just something you can just do in life regardless if you have a company, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's a good book actually by the founder of uh, Intel. Uh It's called High Performance Management. 
-hmm. And he talks about that a lot. Uh And then another one called Measure What Matters, which is literally like a playbook on how to set OKRs. Measure What Matters? Measure What Matters, yeah. I can't remember the author's name. We'll link to that in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, that's brilliant, man. So tell me about your, uh, your, your new sort of objectives. I really want to know. Give us a scoop. Well, we're still working them out, but um, uh-huh. I think Ian pretty much hinted at them all then. Yeah. Um, you know, product range is important. We, yeah. we want to also start coaching people um, a bit more personally with their diet. Uh, so we've got the new book, Healthy Vegan. We're also launching an online plan where people, it's not so much a plan as a subscription service, mm-hmm. where people can come and hang out with us and we will feed them. Yeah three meals a day based on their weight, their age, their sex, their goals. And we'll also, if they want to, um, allow them to test their blood and find out like any nutrients that they may be deficient in. And then we'll tweak the recipes that we suggest. So if they seem to be a little low in iron, we may help them eat more iron in their food Mm -hmm. and also let them know that. So um, it's a really cool thing because obviously a lot of plant-based people might be deficient in certain things. It's one of the things that people are scared of. Um, so we're going to help them to understand what healthy eating means. That's brilliant. I mean, like, I think even those who are not plant-based mm. are deficient in a lot of things. Um, I certainly see that from doing histories with patients and actually finding out clinical symptoms that could be indicative of nutrient deficiencies, whether that be yeah. vitamin A or D or, um, you know, a whole plethora of different issues that people can um, use food as an adjunct to, to therapy and actually helping people with them. Mm. Um, but it's, I think people love to see uh, improvements and, and they love an investigation. I, I try, us in the NHS, we try and limit that as much as possible, yeah. but there are certainly uh, instances where it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's so good to be sat here actually talking to an actual yeah. doctor <laughs> because we talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, People um, will ask us the question, isn't vegan a, a deficient diet? And um, it's not a complete diet. And what we'll typically say, and maybe you can validate some of our thinking here, but it's, you, we will take a B12 spray mm-hmm. from time to time. Um, we take this uh, one that actually is specific for vegans. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we're just very focused on making sure we're trying to get as much color in our body yeah. as possible. Yeah. And obviously, like anyone in the UK can be deficient in vitamin D. Mm-hmm. B12, my granddad was deficient in B12. And arguably, we're probably better off with B12 than most of the population because we supplement it. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a lot of people could be deficient if they're meat eaters. Yeah, in B12. One, one thing that we definitely have enough of in our diet is fiber, which, uh, I mean, it, a lot of people, you say, how many fruit and veg have you eaten like this week? And, you know, we've probably nailed as many fruit and vegetables as a lot of people eat in a week in the morning. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for um, eating a plant-based diet because veggies are great. Mm. Oh, 100%, yeah. I think like this is the one thing that kind of frustrates me about the wellness industry in its current form is, mm. you know, we latch onto one thing, whether it be a particular dietary regimen or protein, for example, which mm. is like dominating the conversation. Yeah. Not just like vegans, where do you get your protein, but even people who eat way more adequate to protein, which is all of us pretty much, vegans, vegetarians, and omnivores, we all eat you know, adequate amounts of protein. Um, but it's become like a thing like, oh, you need to get your protein. That's why we're putting it in like chocolate bars mm. and water yeah. and coconut and stuff like that. So you, you don't need to do that. You do need to focus on fiber because that's yeah. what we're really, really lacking. Yeah. And it's about the nutrient density of your food and the number of different ingredients you have in diversity and variety mm. rather than 
just adding one particular type of yeah. protein to your, your, your products and stuff, right? Yeah. Makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. So what's going on with this food, by the way? Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. We should probably come back <laughs> to this It's looking food. amazing. <laughs> so uh, I hope I'm doing your recipe right. Um, I've just, uh, so first of all, I put the paste in with the coconut uh, oil. I use coconut oil, so sunflower oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the shallots, and then stirred that around, added to the chopped tomatoes. Um, I've annotated your recipe very, very slightly because mm-hmm. I couldn't get baby tomatoes. I just got regular tomatoes. I'm sure you guys are very easy That's with that. Yeah, That's all good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I've added um, the veg stock, the uh, mushrooms, coconut milk, a little touch of uh, syrup, um, but you can use maple syrup. And uh, the green beans have just gone on and they're just going to take about five, six minutes to steam through it. And mate, it's smelling delicious. It doesn't it smell amazing. It's incredible, mm. yeah. And we've got like four hungry guys here to to feed after this and the crew are like looking at this like amazing so um the the word vegan tell me about that yeah. and how mm. what, what are your thoughts for the future on the rebrand well we've kind of um for our first book we avoided the word vegan because we knew uh, like two three years ago when we were when we were working on it in two years ago when it came out, the word vegan was still pretty mis- misunderstood. You would struggle to sort of see the word vegan outside um, an eatery on the high street, whereas now, three years on or two, two and a half years on, um, you struggle not to see the word vegan. It's yeah. kind of just been a completely different attitude to what it was. It's kind of, um, it's a flip shift in the way that people think. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people out there um, like well like us and like loads of other sort of influencers online who are kind of doing their bit to put vegan food in the places it needs to be seen and obviously people have sort of watched documentaries like Cowspiracy like Earthlings now like Game Changers and they're changing their attitude to plant-based food and uh, big supermarkets have jumped on board with it and they're all just like like just flooding their shelves it's like 23% of all new products last 25. year 25 25% of all new products last year will happen to be plant-based which wow. is quite unbelievable um, so when it comes to the word vegan um, I think we're obviously had the how to live vegan and healthy vegan. We're a lot more warm to the idea of using it. And I think we're warm to the idea of using it because people are warm to the idea of receiving it. So, um, but essentially plant-based is cool. Vegan is cool. Just as long as um, like the the food is plant-based, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think if you fast forward into the future, like five years, 10 years from now, we would anticipate that everybody can dip their toe in to be vegan and eat vegan food without... Um, being criticised for using the word without following a strict set of rules. Yeah, yeah. If you actually look at the dictionary definition of vegan, which we talk about in How to Live Vegan, mm-hmm. um, the definition as set by the vegan society is a way of living that seeks to avoid animal cruelty um, and animal ingredients as far as is possible and practicable. Mm-hmm. And in that as far as possible and practicable, there's space. Mm-hmm. And that space means we will eat um, an avocado or a fig, which may have had bees involved um, or, that, wasps. or wasps involved in the pollination process. And it also, depending on your interpretation and the fact that every human is different, it might mean that someone, you know, like someone we used to live with who's vegan but will happily eat non-vegan sweets all week long, yeah, yeah. Um, can still call herself vegan because she's saying she's vegan. Yeah. And it also kind of means the actual word vegan is almost an unattainable ideal that we want to get to, 
But it's impossible in our day-to-day lives because the iPhone wouldn't be vegan. A motor car might not be vegan because of the parts in in the engine. Um, Your books might have non-vegan glue in them. So vegan is a really beautiful thing and everyone who aspires to be that is an incredible person and it comes with like love and passion and and, and kindness to the world. But I think if we're going about this judging everybody based on how vegan they are by our own standards, we'll just end up going around in circles. We want to move away from that and get to a more welcome all-encompassing meaning of the word which also it's not just us like veganuary they made it okay for you to try it out for a month and see what you think and so everyone future people and the london bubble are all thinking about the word vegan like this that we experience but i think once you move outside of london um you can find more old-fashioned perspectives on the word i think we kind of agree that plant-based food is better for the environment than meat-based food right so it's like the best way to measure like um is not so much the people that saying I am vegan, because you can pick holes in how vegan they are, it's ultimately how much plant-based food is being sold. So, and that's like really the only measurable out there. Yeah. So like when you're looking at like, I don't know, a big supermarket's figures and like they're five years ago, it was like 2% and then it's rising and it's just rising year on year. That's really the only marker of how much plant-based food is getting yeah, eaten. Yeah, so yeah. I think we need to pay a bit more attention to that. Big imperfect changes yeah, yeah. rather than like requiring everybody to be perfect. Vegan-ish. That's, yeah. our, that's our vision. Yeah, I think like, I heard something on the radio today actually about how we shouldn't be looking for perfection, we should be looking for progress. Yes, and I think that. certainly progress is what what you guys are advocating, which is, you know, eating more plants, trying vegan for a month mm. or so, educating yourself about the um, transparency in the supply chain of where your food comes from and stuff. It feels sometimes we can, the, the more you dig, the more you realize like mm. how difficult it is to be a 100% true vegan. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, and it's quite overwhelming for a lot of yeah. people, I think, right? Yeah, and is it even, like, can you imagine someone that has every single act, because like paint, mm. it, once you really delve into it, you can really like find it very hard to find vegan products. We use vegan products at home, so we'll use vegan uh, shampoos and conditioners, and, yeah. and, but we do drive a car. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think the more we can just be progressive and be accepting of everybody and let, welcome them in to try some vegan food yeah. and then see what they do with it, yeah. the better. Yeah. And the less time, we, energy we spend judging people on their choice of car. Yeah, the better. because I think like people who are anti-vegan and it really does rile some some people up, you know, the, mm. the, the less accepting of the term, the less accepting of the people they have, you know, prejudice against them and stuff. They can use a whole bunch of arguments to argue about how unvegan vegan people are. Yeah, yeah. How do you respond to that? I mean, I think um, to, it's, we're talking about hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah. about, um, as some people would say, exposing vegans hypocrisy. Yeah. That, that was, um, that's the kind of term that somebody would use. And how ridiculous that someone can be living their life, trying to make the world a better place, talking about trying to make the world a better place, eating a better diet, like being selfless in terms of their diet and trying to encourage others to be more selfless and then we'll pick them up on something because they're not wearing shoes that we think match up with what we think they should wear or they've had a leather jacket they've had for 10 years or something like that so you know it's like that therefore that would mean that the only people that could talk about vegan food would have to be living in a farm in the Cotswolds with everything self-sustainable no products from Apple or Google or Microsoft Mm -hmm. um, and therefore unable to communicate with anyone anyway so I think if we can move away from thinking that um vegans can be hypocrites and move towards just celebrating the fact that they're saying 
we should all be better. Yeah. And maybe we should all be better than I am. Yeah. Like, I'm not perfect. Ian's not perfect. Yeah, You're not perfect. But we're all trying yeah. in our own way. And let's celebrate that mm. rather than criticizing people for not being good enough. Yeah. That's what we should be doing. It reminds <laughs> me of the, a quote from the latest Aziz Ansari stand-up where he's like, okay. you know, in 50 years' time, we should always be looking back on ourselves and be like, we what were, earth were we, we were, yeah, what yeah. on earth were we yeah. doing 50 yeah, yeah. years ago? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we, we were just, horrible people. Just like need to adopt that kind of marathon mindset of just kind of like, just tip away, just yeah. like 1% better every day. Yeah. And um, if everybody was doing that in 100 days time, would be 100% better. That's so true. Yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah. And I think like, um, I mean, w w we talked a little bit on the podcast before with Venetia, mm. um, who obviously has got like, uh, um, uh, an, an amazing engaged following that is all about reducing consumption mm. in general and conscious consumption as well when you do choose to consume uh, and we talked about like how it can just get really overwhelming yeah. when you're like when you realize wow how many things are wrong with our supply systems when it comes to everything beyond just food mm. i mean the food and clothing are the big ones that come to mind but then like you mentioned like the cars and like the paint and, and transport exactly and what's shocking about it is as well it's like in living memory it's become infinitely worse even though we should be getting a lot lot better and like a really good like for instance there's mushrooms there right so um you go to the supermarket when we were like 11 because we we're roughly the same age right yeah. you go to the supermarket and you're like 15 years old and there'd be loads of open mushrooms and the be brown paper bag there and you fill it up now walk into that same supermarket you can't do that it's like you've got the same product wrapped up in plastic wrapped up in cling film and uh things like the advent of like coffee pods or um you know there's like there's an abundance of things that is like making our lives easier but just with complete disregard for the environment completely mm. um so yeah i think we, we some big big changes need to sort of happen and need to happen pretty damn quickly yeah and yeah. i think you know it's it's funny because it's having not only a detriment detrimental impact on the environment yeah. uh, but also on our brains as well i've been mm. reading a lot of dan levitin's work um and uh, another one uh, as a book called less is more oh, nice. uh, and it's all about actually reducing the amount of choices that we have because mm. we have a finite uh, amount of, of neuronal power so brain power to make decisions mm. and if we expend those all by choosing what type of milk to buy or like you know uh, trying to get the best type of mushroom uh, or trying to you know looking through your twitter feed and actually being bombarded with all these messages yeah. it takes a lot of brain power to compute all those different choices yeah. and when it comes to the the big choices that you actually need to make like you know your life decisions or like decisions at work etc we've expended all our energy yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's almost like like the whole vegan argument is actually about okay let's just do better with all these things so we don't have to make those mm. uh, undue choices and we can shape our food landscape by making choices yeah. when you're in the supermarket or when you're in the clothing store it's yeah. so true i think it was david attenborough's show it wasn't david attenborough himself but it was um someone on his show that said we can just start with the one thing that we can all control is those three meals a day that mm -hmm. we eat. You know, yes, people fly, and yes, people might drive a car, yeah. and maybe not everyone can afford an electric car, or they don't agree that's the right choice. But what, what the really easy thing we control is what we eat every single day. Yep. And as you talk a lot about the health, and we love your, um, your books and your guidance on health, we find really invaluable um, and very progressive because a lot of people aren't thinking, and some doctors still aren't thinking about plant-based as being a good way to go. Um, so, so I think it's really important that we, as humanity, 
thinking about what we eat because yeah. it's so easy and it can benefit the environment yeah. too so it's like it's quite it's a simple thing really it's like the best thing that you can possibly do yourself to improve the environment is just eat delicious food that's it yeah <laughs> like we're like, about to yeah, eat now exactly. hopefully what's been like the most um sort of shocking thing that you found along your journey because i'm i'm assuming like through all the books and through communicating with the uh, uh what like basically chatting to people within your community and going to conferences and what you've learned and chatting to people abroad as well through your travels like what's been the most shocking stuff that you've actually found uh, about like how we live currently and what we actually need to change beyond food shocking in terms of in terms of like what what actually made you realize wow okay we actually do need to make like huge changes uh, to how we're living and i mean to be honest this stuff's easy Mm -hmm. because it's broadcast into our brains every day through Facebook. Um, If you have a look at what's going on in farming, Mm -hmm. um, we're not talking about, you know, really nice family farmers who on the hills in Wales. But when you look at mega dairies in the US or even some of that stuff in the in the UK, it's just inhumane. And like if we, we, animal agriculture isn't the first thing that we talk about, no. but we became real lovers of animals after, after going vegan. And it's, if there were a hell on earth for animals, if there were a hell for animals, yeah. this is it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think you, you're shocked when you see that stuff, but you're not shocked just for the animal welfare, although you do think about that. But it's just, it's just not the right way to do business. The amount mm-hmm. of waste that a um, factory farm will give off, the amount of slurry that will go into the ecosystem and will mess up people's health who live nearby, the amount of methane being pumped out by all of those animals that's then kind of going into the atmosphere. And by the way, methane is much, much, much more, um, has a much more heating effect than carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. So the methane is a real problem uh, for the environment. Just sheer, sheer irresponsibility of the way this mass consumption of meat is is taking place mm. it's shocking once you really look into it and that's what motivates us as well as the desire to feed people nice food and i think the only other the only other aspect of it is have you seen um the film elysium with matt damon yeah yeah, yeah. I, was, I know i haven't seen it but i know the, you, the general synopsis yeah. Of it. Yeah, yeah so the synopsis is like the earth is uh struggling uh, but there's this really nice like satellite um, space satellite station. space station yeah. yeah outside of earth where all the rich people live and they're, they've got perfect health and perfect food and everyone on earth is struggling for me it feels a little bit like we're living in the west it's all nicey nicey we've got access to doctors like you who can tell us what to eat and, and everything here is lovely but then we've got vast continents of places mm. where they can't eat good food can't get good health care they're dying from diseases because of the way that we eat and if we were to eat all plant-based or all eat like 95% plant-based, then we would have more space for land. Mm-hmm. Um, we would, we'd have more space to let land like grow fallow. There'd be less climate change and we could find a way to get food to people who need food. Yeah. And that for me, that injustice is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I realise I just went off on a no, 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 that's great. I think the, the passion speaks out and, you know, what I love about you guys is that you are speaking to your audience through the medium of food and you're making it a lot more accessible to people because I think when you find out about these mass agricultural practices Mm. that are impacting uh, our ecosystems on a huge huge level 
you don't think about that minute decision that you make in the supermarket as yeah. having a, a significant change, right? A, a significant impact on, on the grandeur of things. You can feel quite um, powerless. Mm. Um, but one way in which you guys are helping is actually to coax people about the collective power that we all have in the yeah. decisions that we make on a daily basis. My caveat to that, and this is me playing devil's advocate, how do you think we're gonna actually institute mass change? Because my yeah. personal belief is that I don't think we can rely on the 10, 15% of people becoming woke. Yeah. <laughs> for, for want of a list of, I think it's going to take massive institutional change. Okay, yeah. Well, do you know what? I think we are seeing changes in supply and demand already having big impacts. So um, the sales of uh, milk were down, dairy milk were down, and the sales of uh, oat milk went up last year. Yeah. We are seeing 91% of purchases of the Beyond Burger, which we can talk about the health benefits of that yeah. if you want to, and it is a bit processed, but... Um, 91% of the sales were from meat eaters. And so thanks to all of these flexitarians and meat eaters and, and mostly plant-based people, vegans have now got more vegan options to buy. Yeah. So I think that change is happening slowly. I think the world does respond to market conditions. So when vegan food is tastier mm -hmm. and is healthier, and that's communicated right, we will see shifts and we are seeing shifts. And I think governments and institutions just always lag behind, they right? They work too slowly, yeah. I think but they will get there in the end. Think about smoking and mm. tobacco. Yeah, I think uh, like the glamorization of plant-based food is going to play yeah. a big role. So people like Lewis Hamilton, um, people like Serena Williams, um, are playing a big role in kind of opening people's minds to the idea of plant-based food. Imagine if, for instance, um, I don't know, Tottenham Hotspur got a new nutritionist in and he happened to have a plant-based philosophy and he thought, right, I'm going to just like get Tottenham Hotspur like the whole team eating plant-based and they are running a bit quicker they seem to be recovering a bit faster and they're winning more games whatever it, all it takes is like like one or two people to make like that kind of big change for the whole kind of attitude toward plant-based food to kind of shift so i think the glamorization of plant-based food making it cool is a really good way to sort of get people excited about it and then what will happen is people will go and buy the plant-based food and then the big supermarkets will read that data and they'll start putting more um kind of art like um, food on their shelves and before you know it you just got this kind of just this this positive kind of loop just getting bigger and bigger and then when uh, you see that the society is kind of making steps to its own positive change then the big sort of bear moth of government behind it might go oh maybe we should get involved with this sort of stuff as well as soon as this yeah. is what the people are asking for so yeah so then there's people like yourself as well. Exactly. So institutions like like hospitals. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's good. Yeah. Like you're a poster boy of pushing what, the plant-based yeah. diet, and then thinking about the NHS and what's being served to people who are sick. Um, because if you're sick in hospital, like plants and green food is going to be great for you. Um, also thinking about schools and what's being eaten in schools. We need a version of you, mm. but that's thinking about schools yeah. and yeah. like getting more plant-based options in schools as well. Maybe you could do that too. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but like, absolutely, the institutions need to get on board. But yeah. I, think, um, I think we can see things taking a snowball effect. 
and they will pick up. But you need to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, we yeah. need to keep doing what we're well, doing. Like, I'm an advocate for, for definitely people having choice. Yeah. And I think certainly more plants are better. Yeah. And I think our sh we have to shift our focus away from meat being the center stage yeah. and actually introducing more fiber and more color and variety Absolutely. into our meals. Um, I'm, I'm not vegan. I'm no. not 100% yeah, yeah. plant-based, but I'm definitely of that sort of 85, 90% majority yeah, yeah. And, and, and being plants. And I, and I welcome like more institutional changes actually happening to make people aware of that. But I think lobbying groups and a whole bunch of other sort mm. of uh, issues will cloud whether that's going to become a reality or not. What I would say is, um, so I was asked to talk at the uh, Future Food Conference last year. Nice. It's an industry-focused um, uh, conference of B2B, essentially, with the likes of Kraft and General Mills and a whole bunch of people in mm. attendance. And I, I was asked to talk about the health impact of food mm. um, to an audience. And I, I stayed for the rest of the couple of days because I'm just genuinely interested in supply chain. And, and this conference covered everything from, you know, how you trace food, uh, preservation systems, um, uh, refrigeration, all this different kind of stuff. Um, and honestly, the number one thing that was being talked about was plant-based options. Amazing. It was incredible. And that, like, I'm going to do a YouTube video on this because I think there's like three main types, or maybe we can talk about it now. There's three mm. main types of like vegan or plant-based options. They, I think they use the word plant-based more than vegan. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's your ultra processed stuff, which is just like, you know, Satan and everything just put into, you know, anything just to make sure it's vegan and it's palatable mm -hmm. and it mimics meat. Mm -hmm. And then you have like um, the whole sort of uh, versions which are made from like beans and uh, like maybe a bit of tofu, maybe some spices. So it's a, it's a very like wholesome product. Um, and then you have the sort of like cell based stuff. Um, which is very new, mm -hmm. uh, which is where you're having like, you know, animal cells that are cultured and then put in labs and stuff. Yeah. And the cost of that is going to come right down. Yeah. I think that's going to still have the same issues and that might actually cause a reverse of what we really want to happen, uh, which is limiting meat consumption overall, because that's mm -hmm. still going to have some of the same properties as the hemines in meat, for example. Yeah. Um, but there is definitely a lot of interest from industry in plant-based options because of the demand that you're in part responsible for. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic news. <laughs> yeah. It's really exciting. Yeah. I yeah. Think it's super exciting. We're like right at the, we're in the midst of a kind of cultural revolution, I feel, yeah. with a lot of people who have got access to information, who care greatly about the future. And um, like when the population is swelling and you're kind of like in your 30s and you're thinking about having a baby, you kind of like wonder what kind of world you're going to leave for them. So like doing your damnedest with what you've got available to you uh, to make the world a better place for the future generations to come. Plant-based food is just like a really nice, easy way into that positivity. Yeah. As a man who likes studies, um, <laughs> we know that because yeah. obviously we've read your books. And by the way, one thing we should mention is, which most people won't know, is that you looked over and gave the kind of thumbs up to our first ever cookbooks nutrition section. Oh, cool. Didn't you? Do you remember I did, that? Yes, you did. I did. That yeah, was the early days. The acknowledgements. I remember that. Good few years ago. Yeah. Um, but for people who like detail, go read the back of Bosch and you'll see Rupi's name. Um, I forgot where I was I going with that. that. <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you remember I that? I really forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you sent it to me. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll have a look at yeah. it. Yeah, I can't remember where I was going. I've completely lost my train I can't remember either, but I don't know. I liked where it was going. Oh, oh no, it's going right. Well, well shall we talk like about studies. the food? Yeah. yeah, as a man who likes yeah, studies. Yeah, yeah. Right, are you familiar with uh, Joseph Poore's study? Joseph Poore's. So, P-O-O-R-E. Okay. 
Joseph Poor. So he did like the biggest ever study, um, like a global meta study, you call it, right? A study of studies, meta analysis. Um, Was he part of the 37 uh, experts, part of the Eat Lancet report? Um, he might be. I don't think so okay, okay. But i'm not sure cool. you, you can look up on yeah, it yeah, and put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um essentially joseph poor um he was not vegan at all uh but he started this big study to find out which were the most sustainable animal-based mm. products he, he like looked worldwide he took into account flying food all across the world and he created a chart like literally a list of the most um the most sustainable and the least sustainable foods mm. and everything spread out that the plant-based options were the most sustainable and the animal-based were the least sustainable like I've seen this infograph regardless yeah, yeah. of mm. flying things mm. re- like even the least sustainable tofu mm. is more sustainable from a carbon perspective than the most sustainable animal-based food yeah. and it's just the biggest study ever done and we if we can look at that data and if we can all think about that data i think that would have a really good impact on our choices yeah. we don't have to all choose the same things like some people may still decide um that they want to eat salmon um or have eggs or like that's their call but if we could all just understand yeah. that that is the best view of the truth that we've got we could be in a much more informed place to make decisions about our diet um, so that's our mission, and I think that's your mission too. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, and I, I, I do know that infographic. I didn't yes, know the researcher. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look that up, um, and I'll link to it. Ella did a really good podcast with him. Yes, she did. Yeah. yeah. So if you're interested, give that listen. It's like an hour, and he's oh, he's uh, he talks about it like really, like the common man can understand it quite easily. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's well worth a listen. That one. That's great. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll definitely check that out, mm-hmm. and I'll link to, to that in the podcast. There's a lot. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of podcast <laughs> notes, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I was going to ask you about now, I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, I, I, I do need to look into um, uh, sort of more farming methods. And mm. I think that's going to have an important mm. detriment on, you know, whether we're going to have a net positive or net negative onto the, onto the planet. There's a lot of uh, farmers who are complaining that the um, culture of mono, uh, monocultures, oh, essentially, yeah. um, is, is, you know, at the detriment to the soil mm. or using too much in the way of inputs as they regard them as essentially pesticides and herbicides. Um, and we need to change the, uh, and incentivize farmers to do crop rotation, mm. which yes, in some cases can involve animals, um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, the killing of animals. It yeah, can actually yeah, still yeah. be a vegan farm. Um, so again, depending on like, you know, the demand that we create for, for plant-based foods, it, it could change that. But I think we need to have that in mind that it's the soil health. I'm educating myself a lot yeah, on it, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, and you're not a farming expert, no, and neither are we. No. And we're not stood here telling farmers what they should exactly. and shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just looking at the maths that are saying, this stuff's more sustainable, this stuff's less sustainable. So could we move towards that? And by the way, because it's, it, is a, it is more sustainable potentially we may be able to free up some land. Mm. So there may be some land in the UK, like some hilly areas of Wales that um, aren't able to be farmed on. And currently there's sheep grazing that may be making lamb. Well, maybe that farm land could become fallow. Yeah. Maybe, maybe want, yeah. Want Obviously, farmers need jobs, and the, like we are seeing systemic change happening, and, and more farmers are going to be thinking about whether they should move into plant-based dairy, which mm-hmm. is a great thing, or the other things that their skills could do. We have the utmost respect to farmers and their work ethic. In family, mm-hmm. we're farmers, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we are seeing the world changing, and maybe if we were eating more plants in the UK, 
we might find some pockets of land that could be rewilded and start to sequester a bit of carbon and get some biodiversity back, which yeah. would be a good thing. Yeah. I, um, my, my father, actually both my parents come from farming backgrounds as well. Ooh. So we have like an Indian farm. We have nice. cows, obviously vegetarians. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we have cows and goats and stuff and plows and whatever. We grow like garlic, sweet potato. I actually remember making a, a meal from sweet potato and all my aunties would take like taking the piss out of me because <laughs> like to have like they're quite like you know traditional to have a guy in the kitchen cooking sweet potato wasn't like the norm so anyway uh, talking of curries yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't want to let this go we've, we've just been, been sat here like once well, yeah try it let me know if uh thank you very if it, very if much it meets your high high standards uh, it looks good I hope it, it smells yeah. delightful i mean the paste is incredible like mm. really really good I think that's going mm. to become uh, one of my staples. Yeah, it's got a nice um, citrusy kind of note to it. Yeah, I finished it off with the lime yeah. at the end. Always a good idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a bit. Coriander. I find a little bit of like acidity on yeah. the end of any dish yeah. is a good thing. Oh, yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, the, I think the best thing about this dish is just the textures. Yeah. Obviously, the flavour is really, really good, but it's just like you've got the sort of firm crunch from the green beans. Mm. You've got that kind of fishy flakiness from. Banana blossom. Mm. You got that really nice sweet tang from the tomatoes. Um, yeah, it's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me get you one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I can have a bit of Ian's. Mm -hmm. we, we share everything, mm -hmm. but maybe I'll have my own right, spoon. Go, 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 go. Amazing. We'll yeah, have, have a break. I'm going to eat this. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah, go on, um, go on. So you've put coconut oil in this mm. one, and we used sunflower oil. Yeah. And the reason we used sunflower oil is because. Obviously, it's a coconutty flavour, so coconut yeah. oil feels great. But it was to reduce the saturated fat. Uh, we were working with an NHS dietitian, and she advised that. What are your thoughts on saturated fat saturated and fat. coconut yeah. oil, etc.? So I think the story goes a lot more than beyond whether something is classified as a saturated fat or unsaturated. Um, there's different types of saturated fats based on the uh, number of carbon chain or the length of the carbon chain. Mm -hmm. And I think instead of looking at one particular aspect of an ingredient, you have to be looking at your overall diet quality. Overall, the evidence shows that high saturated fat diet um, is detrimental to health from a number of issues. However, that those studies don't delineate what types of saturated fat there are and where that's coming from. And so, you know, a high saturated fat item would be something like chips mm -hmm. because of the oil that's used in the chips, mm. the, the frying method. But actually, y you know and I know that that's not a pure saturated fat item. That's yeah. got refined carbohydrates in, mm -hmm. it's probably got emulsifiers, probably got a whole bunch of other things yeah. in it that are making an unhealthier type of food. Salt. Exactly, tons mm -hmm. of salt as well. So uh, I'm, I, I'm more concerned with the wholesome aspect of the quality of your food yeah. rather than the label of its uh, components in terms of like macro, micronutrient mm -hmm. component. I am more interested in the holistic aspect. So my view on things like coconut oil that I've got a really bad rap, or oh, it's up and down in reputation, right? depending on what studies you're looking at and what time of year. Um, I think it's an appropriate oil to use in the moderate amounts that you would use any oil, like an extra virgin oil or whatever. So 
yeah, those are, those are my views on it. So I don't mind using a, saturated, a high saturated fat item in cooking, mm -hmm. as long as you're not like you know, lathering on. And I'm actually gonna have a dietitian actually talking about the keto diet um, really? in a therapeutic uh, manner. Mm. So the keto diet is an incredibly useful tool for um, drug resistant epilepsy. Um, there may be some additional uses as well in yeah. migraine and chronic pain oh, um, and certain types of cancers, which we're going to talk about on the wow. podcast as well. But she's like a registered dietitian and she knows a lot more about this than me. Um, I'm just fascinated because it's become again like very trendy. There's mm. even vegan keto as well. Yeah, we've, we've tried it. Yeah, I think I think the thing with um, the thing with it is it's really hard to do yeah. because there's not <laughs> yeah. there aren't many options. Yeah, exactly. uh, you yeah. have a lot of peanut butter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But also, it's um, for, for for most people. Like I love you talking about the holistic aspects of it all, and I think when it comes to diet, like Ian said before, small changes make big impacts. Um, for the people that we talk to, we want to advise them to just make small changes to your diet rather than going all in on keto one day and this thing the other day, because. I just worry about what that might do to their body moving forward. Um, but yeah, if you can use it to treat things, fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's originally what they used it for yeah, back yeah, yeah. in the like, 80s and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even fasting was used as a tool because yeah. that's the, probably the quickest way to get into nutritional ketosis, yeah. which is what the, the goal is. But um, I, I think uh, if you you know use keto as a fashionable tool because you've heard it like increases your fat burn or you know increases your metabolism and you're going to lose all this weight it's very hard to do and what people i fear can tip into is having a high fat diet not doing it properly and then having carbohydrates and then actually what you're eating is it's the standard american diet, diet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's literally the standard american diet it's yeah. high fat and high carb yeah um, and so, yeah, that's, that's where my sort of worry comes in with, with keto in general. And there's a whole bunch of other aspects around that that I think warrant uh, concern. But, and that's why, like, you know, I've purposely wanted to tackle this, um, this subject head on because yeah, I get asked about it a lot. And I'm like, look, I can't give you blanket recommendations, but let's chat about it. So yeah. I want to know about the culture of what it's like to have two founders for a company. What is it like? I mean, you guys clearly get on. You yeah. guys have been mates for years, way before Bosch. So I think it, it's really good. I think two heads are better than one, basically. Like, cause, um, yeah, like, and also like having someone who's kind of uh, in it with you completely uh, it enables you to kind of split your tasks and your duties. So it's like, so one person's like working away on something that's very, very sort of company critical. And then the other person's doing something equally as critical, but just completely different. And um, that I think is really, really good. I think uh, obviously we've known each other for a long old while. So um, we kind of understand each other's strengths and we kind of work well with each other. And um, yeah, it's, it's good to share the journey with someone. So if anyone is thinking about maybe setting up a company, having a co-founder is a very good idea to sort of lighten the load. Yeah. Completely agree, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you also, like I would read books on building startups and they will often say find a co-founder yeah. and if you can't find a co-founder to come on board with your idea then maybe you need to question your idea mm. um, so and I remember that in that first company like wishing there was a co-founder I know you were there yeah, the yeah. whole time but you weren't sitting in the role of co-founder mm. and it was a very lonely place to be yeah. when there were 20 odd people yeah. mm -hmm. um, and so having a co-founder is just so much better um, we can bounce ideas off each other. We can talk things through. 
we can divide and conquer, as Ian says. In fact, we're about to enter a phase, which I haven't told you about yet, no. but um, we're about to, I think, enter a three to four week filming phase okay. where we're just doing non-stop recipe videos for four weeks you on one side of the room doing one set and me on the other side of the room doing the other set mm -hmm. that's cool. about to happen so it means you can batch film yeah. as well which is a good thing there's there's testing times and um, and there's moments that you uh wind each other up and have to work through problems and stuff so if you are building something with a co-founder just be prepared mm. to like accept that people are different and yeah. find to appreciate your differences because yeah. you know it's, it, it, we have Moments, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. And, and those moments are really important because you both grow off the back of yeah. the learning of them. And the moments come because we're both passionate about the thing that we're trying to do. And having differences of opinion on certain things sometimes is good because you've got two opinions and you've got two ways to sort of uh, approach the same thing. So I think it's, uh, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, the data suggests that co or companies that have two founders mm. are more likely to succeed. I think it's Y Combinator actually mm. is a famous accelerator back in, um, I think they're in San Fran, West Coast anyway, that's always suggests that you should partner up yeah. and, and have this, you have a lot more chances of success. Mm. How has that helped you like generate the culture uh, within your team? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot more of you behind the scenes and- Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good question. Um, yeah. I, I think that we, we have quite a small team, yeah. first of all. So it is just the two of us, Kathy and Charlie. Um, but we've also just hired an MD, Natalie, which is very exciting. Yeah. But I think um, in terms of culture, it's been a bit bitty because we'll sometimes be doing different things. So for example, Ian might be making recipe videos and I might be writing words for the book or um, Ian might be out having a meeting and I'll be working with the guys on their edits. Sometimes we'll divide and conquer. Um, I feel like our team probably s like suffered a little bit because we haven't all been a unit in the same place all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I, and I also think they're probably getting a bit of you and a bit of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately your team culture ends up re representing the founders' intentions or yeah. the two founders' intentions. Mm. And where they're quite sporadic, sometimes they they just get a kind of mixed bag. Yeah. But we're friends with them. Yeah, that right. helps. So there's quite a nice communal culture. Yeah. And now we've got Natalie here. I think she's going to help to really make sure there's a constant person that's there loving them mm -hmm. and loving us yeah. and challenging us as well. Yeah. Um, so even if we are away or on a big press trip somewhere, <laughs> yeah. the culture can develop. Exactly. And um, I suppose like what we're doing is kind of cool. Right, There's, we've done a lot in a very short space of time. So Kat, especially, like she came in when we were working at the shared office that we used to work at, and she was just like, uh, she's been there from the off and has seen this thing just go from like uh, like proper proper startup mode to like, okay, well now we've got a TV show and we've got books out and this kind of thing. So she's been a big part of it, and I think um, it's exciting. It's an exciting place to be. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had a like a proper job before and it's nowhere near as exciting as what we're doing yeah. now, do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's, it's a good place to be right now. It's a fun thing, yeah. isn't it? And today's Friday, so we will go out for a couple of beers. Later on. The cool thing about Natalie actually mm. having just joined is she's been working with them really closely on, and working, looking at what videos they're doing and, and making sure that's all streamlined. So hopefully we'll get early knock today. Oh my <laughs> God. And we'll be out at Can three in the pub. <laughs> yeah. Three? 
That's what she says, yeah. That's what she said. All right. <laughs> we'll see if that pops. She's the boss <laughs> now. Yeah. She's telling us we have to yeah. as well. It, it, it's, it's good, actually, like having uh, Natalie around. She's like a heavyweight badass. Like she really is coming from, um, she used to be a CEO of a big old company and uh, she's helped us out along the way across the journey, like little pockets. So she gets the company. She is an old friend of yours mm. and um, a new friend of mine. And um, she, she gets the vision, man. So we're looking to have her. That's amazing. It's, it's awesome to have like a purpose-led uh, company. Like you clearly have a mission mm. and that's allowed you to be successful along the way. Um, what do you make of the whole process? And sorry to go back down like another sort of roller coaster ride of like up and down. We but, love going but, into rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. But um, what, do you, what do you make of this whole concept of woke washing? And for, for if, you, if you haven't come across that before, it's something that I recently came across. Mm. It's basically... Uh, big corporations trying to jump on the bandwagon yeah. on like startups like yourselves mm. who actually have purpose-led uh, and real missions. Uh, people like, I don't know, a famous brand of fried chicken, for example, now yes. coming up with yes. vegan and vegetarian options and stuff. Like how, how, what does that make you feel like? Does it make you feel angry? Do you think you welcome it? I, I would say that I welcome it. Yeah. Um, these people the the colonel i think you may be referring to um do lots of bad stuff in the world and if but they also have massive impact because of the sheer number of locations and the sheer size of their operations and the amount of money that is spent with them on a regular basis that is where many regular people shop so if they start to add plant-based options to their menus that's amazing that is amazing even if they don't do it perfectly, even if maybe they're still using the, the same grill, that some, like it's still better than where they were before and it's quick change happening. So um, we like to support big brands who are jumping on the bandwagon because that's what progress looks like. Not everyone agrees with that. Some people wouldn't want to spend their money with that corporation and I completely get that perspective. But for us, pro progress is about playing with the big boys yeah. and they are the big boys. Yeah. Sometimes you have to trust your intuition, though. For every sort of like story of a company that's doing something with the best intentions, sometimes you just look at things. And you think, what are you on about? Like, yeah. like there's, there's certain things out there. There's you just have to have a decent BS radar. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah because think yeah. about there was an advert um, from a big supermarket. I won't name them, um, but to do with uh, removing palm oil um, from all of their products. The conversation isn't that simple around palm oil. It's a more difficult conversation to have than just we're removing all palm oil. And I think that was a good example of greenwashing where actually nothing different is happening. Yeah. There's no new options going on the menu. There's no plant-based support. It's just literally an exercise in PR yeah. and marketing and branding. And I'd, I'd say that's what's greenwashing and wokewashing. Yeah. So we want companies to actually make changes to their processes and menus and not just say they are. They need to, don't they? I mean, like, because people's attitudes to life in general has just changed. I think we're looking more and more living like our grandparents once did. Do you know what I mean? Like shopping, thrift, That's buying local. Yeah, yeah, like, but more and more, like, we, yeah. we are kind of, like, going in that direction. It's sort of like something as simple as carrying a metal water bottle about and relying on yourself. And, um, like, say, if you've got a rip in your jeans, maybe, like, learning how to sew and sewing up. It's like... We've kind of, we hit a tipping point of progress and now we're sort of hungry for what came before. And um, uh, yeah, so these big companies, if they don't get with the program, then they're going to be left behind. So um, it's important that they do catch up. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, and again, it kind of resonates with me in terms of your perspective. Mm -hmm. I think uh, progress does look like collaboration. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, it does mean 
uh, it not necessarily outwardly endorsing, but just getting on with the fact that other people are going to jump on this bandwagon. Mm. But actually, that you know, that just speaks to the amount of influence that people like yourselves are having. Mm. Tell us about your uh, the the next uh, steps for for Bosch and what you're up to at the moment, because you, you mentioned you have a uh, a plan and yes, well, the immediate plan is to be in the, the pub plan. at three pm. Am I joking? Yeah. <laughs> Although I think I'm going to have a red wine. Oh yeah. So oh, I'm yeah? trying to not drink beer. Well, yeah. I've got some red wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to make sure that's yeah. vegan though. Yeah, yeah, oh yes, yeah. um, you know the the blue zones yeah. studies. Yeah, yeah. So they talk about wine at five yeah. being okay. Yeah, yeah. So maybe mm. I'll have a little. I red think wine. it's definitely part of the whole culture around eating, right? Yeah. Um, it's you know who you eat around the table uh, with as much as the the food on the table. Yeah. And I think you know the Mediterraneans have had like a really good relationship with little bits of alcohol. And I think the stress relieving impacts of mm. half a glass of red wine or whatever, you know, are, are actually something that is quite intangible yeah. because you can't look at, you know, the mechanistic impacts of like what that resveratrol is doing, what the alcohol is doing to your yeah. cardiovascular system. However, there is something in it. Yeah. So yeah. enjoying. So you're prescribing bit. me to yeah. have yeah. a red wine tonight. <laughs> Every now and again, man, it's fine. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, but in terms of like what's going on with Bosch, I think the in the immediate future we have uh, the last four episodes of our TV shows coming out. ITV One, Living on the Veg. Um, it's Sunday mornings at ten. 10.30 a.m. 10.30. 10.30 a.m. And, and it also is repeated on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, so, amazing. so that's been really, really cool. So we're seeing that out. Um, we're working on book number five currently. Uh, we shot the, uh, the first seven um, photographs because it's going into a blad, which is kind of like a taster for um, booksellers and journalists because it's going into, I think, there's the London Book Fair at the uh, back end of February. Um, then... Bosch method, which we've been beavering away on for bloody ages, yeah. um, and we're, it, it's kind of it's all coming together beautifully now. We've got bucket loads of wonderful recipes in there. We've got workout plans, as Henry said before. We've got the blood thing that you're going to be doing, uh, so that's a big thing that's in the diary. And I think we will hopefully be pushing for a bit more uh, transatlantic kind of stuff you know because mm. like our our numbers in america are really good in terms of our social following and also in terms of book sales so we might sort of um push that a little bit further yeah what else we got going on i mean that's that's that's, that's all of it yeah. from from our perspective yeah. i think um you mentioned okrs before yeah it's 2020 the start of 2020 now so we've both been away over christmas and now we've got natalie on board we're thinking really carefully and really granularly about what our goals are and what we want to achieve. But at a high level, it's getting more people to eat more plants. As Ian mentioned with the Bosch method, helping them be healthier. Because yeah. there are too many people eating vegan junk food and we want to help move them a little bit towards 80% colorful food and 20% naughty food. Yeah. Moving them in that direction and hopefully, yeah, more, more TV, more vegan mainstream stuff mm. and more showing that vegans can just be two normal guys like us that aren't necessarily preachy, aren't judgmental, and like a wine in the pub from time to yeah. time. But, Just more of that. But also, like in terms of the um, like personal level, both Henry and I at the start of this year have kind of really uh, adopted a more kind of uh, fitness-focused approach to the way that we're going about life. So Henry's in the gym. What like you're doing every single day? Yeah, yeah. you're doing the like gymnastics yoga. and mobility and yoga. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I'm in my tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my tracksuit yeah. today. You're literally living that lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. And I'm on the uh, like a self-imposed 365-day challenge where it's basically going to do some form of exercise every single day for 365 days. In uh, because I suppose what we're trying to do is kind of like 
um, buy life longevity with the currency of exercise. Because I think like, you know, like sweating every day now is the sort of thing that will give you an extra six years at the back end of your life, which yeah. is always a good thing. <laughs> How do you look after your mental health? Um, sleep is key, yeah. like lots of good sleep. Um, I think like not like, like look, this is the benefit of having a co-founder yeah. as well, like having uh, the opportunity to kind of split duty. But when it comes to mental health, like, I think um, uh, I kind of try, uh, you do as well, try and get some meditation in by in like the savasana at the end of yoga or just like chilling out in the sauna and just kind of sitting <laughs> through or even just going on a run. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like that's quite meditative and I'm kind of, um, I'm taking a lot of solace in podcasts at the moment, which is a good thing to say seeing as this is a podcast. <laughs> but like I, in the morning, like say if you're going for a run, you stick your headphones in and you just listen and it's, so you just get into this kind of just like nice flow, like brain flow, body flow. You might not be doing the om thing, but like it is meditative and you come away, come back after your run or after your exercise and you just feel like a damn sight better than what you did yeah. before you went yeah. out. So yeah, and it's also having some kind of life discipline is, is, is really good for mental health as well. It's sort of like I'm getting out of bed and I'm gonna get shit done yeah. and uh, I'm gonna go to bed and I'm gonna get some sleep done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and everything in between. Yeah, Ian's blessed with the ability to just sleep through anything. Oh mate, I'll there, sleep there through There was an one time that I was, um, <laughs> I was locked out about two in the morning and I was banging on the door. His bedroom was just right by the door. Yeah. I, I spent half an hour screaming and banging on the door. He didn't no wake way. up. Yeah. Well, the other day we had a, a fire alarm. Didn't hear it. Really. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Was, I will wake up from time to time, but um, I'm also really uh, cognizant of my sleep uh -huh. and I'm trialing this new thing called uh, Miracle Mornings okay. for me. There is a book um, around this topic uh -huh. and it's just making sure that every morning up at about 5 or 5.30, before any of the day begins, I will do some stillness, so a bit of meditation. Um, they actually have an acronym, SAVERS. Life savers. It's, it's related. Oh, really? it, the oh, book's okay, called yeah. Miracle Morning, oh, okay, but I think fine, they're yeah. all in the same batch. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So S is for stillness, uh -huh. meditation, or yoga, mm -hmm. sabasana. Uh -huh. um, A is for affirmation. Uh -huh. So I just will just write something in my journal. Mm. V is for visualization, which is kind of similar to the affirmation, but you just visualize the kind of day you're going to have. E is for exercise, mm -hmm. and I'll do either yoga or gymnastics. R is for reading, so you're 10 or 15 minutes reading. Mm. And then S is for scribing. I think he couldn't get the W into the acronym, <laughs> so he, he did an S. Um, so a little bit of writing. Right. And so the idea is that by the time we start work about 9.30, 10, I've kind of meditated, exercised, set my intention for the day, read a bit, written a bit, and my brain is all me. And I've not even really looked at my phone yet. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's how I'll deal with it. And it really levels me out and allows me to build habits aided, I would say, by the bullet journal method, uh -huh. like really strict yeah. adherence to um, Ryder Carroll, who is the guy who wrote the bullet journal method, mm -hmm. his method of journaling. I follow that to the T and it just helps me control everything and track Thanks everything. Yeah. Follow it to the dark. Yeah, yeah exactly. Follow it to the bullet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm definitely going to try that mm. out. I have to read those books as well. I mean, I, I do my affirmations in the morning. It's nice. a recent thing. Because you used to do them, um, you used to do gratitude yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. enjoyed them, man. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed I know, them. You yeah. need to bring them back. I know. It's a br I bring it back every now and then. Okay, Because yeah. what I found was uh, doing the gratitude thing every single day didn't allow me to be quite uh, honest with myself because ah. it was like, I'm sharing it with everyone else, so I don't want to go too personal. Nice. So and then I realised okay after doing it for like seven hundred days straight, it so yeah, it was a long, long, it was a yeah. long time, yeah, it was two years. Did you yeah. record all of those? 
like like did you have you got the actual raw files because if so you should bang that up on YouTube. That's long oh form God, content. Yeah, it's a very good <laughs> Mate, you get every three seconds yeah. of a new day. <laughs> Mate, I think it's a great yeah. idea. Like like 24 hours continuous yeah. Dr. Rupee gratitude. Yeah, oh God, people, yeah we could feel about it. Minutes you know, view, it, it, sure. it may be on my Instagram. Mm. There are like, every time I look at like how much data my apps are using, Instagram is like right at the oh, top. Oh really, yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. Gigs and gigs worth of data. So it's probably in the archive somewhere, but that's a really good point. I'll look into that. I'll credit you in that. It's really good like to get some insight into mm. how you deal with mental health because I think the way people, particularly in the position that you guys are in, you know, process everyday life, but also process the amount of pressure it is, you know, mm. to maintain all the socials, create a team, instill a culture within that team, and yeah. then also strategize about the future. Like it's a lot of mental power. Yeah. Um, and I think people who perhaps don't have as much responsibility can still learn a lot from those yeah. insights into how you deal with it. Guys, thank you so much for coming in. It's I'm going to try pleasure. this myself. Yeah, uh, yeah let us know. <laughs> this is the big question. Is, what does Rupee, how's the doctor's kitchen, think of what our do food? I think well, of yeah, fingers style curry. Yeah, yeah. yeah and this is your first time trying banana blossom? Yeah, first time with banana blossom. Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. Guys. The sour tanginess yeah. of that is awesome. It's interesting, isn't really it? Really good, yeah. It's got to be like the tamarind, mm-hmm. the like the syrups, like slightly offsets that as well. It's got my wholehearted approval. Mm. <laughs> Can you tell us anything about the health benefits? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean we, do... we've obviously written it, so we yeah, know yeah. I mean, you've got like um, three or four different varieties of of proper veg here you've got fiber and the green beans i don't know much about blanana blossom i'll be honest Uh, i've never cooked with it before so i need to look into that you've got novel antioxidants in the mushrooms like agathine and uh, a whole bunch of other um, b vitamins as well Mm. some mushrooms have vitamin d uh, if you put them in sunlight with the gills up but uh, i don't think these are the ones but either way um, we need to be taking our vitamin D supplements regardless. Yeah, yeah. And then you have um, uh, the tomatoes that will have the lycopene spilled out of them because I cooked them for a little bit longer. So you're nice. disrupting the cell walls and you're allowing the absorption of all those antioxidants. Wow, oh, nice. good knowledge. But also it's delicious, warm, spicy, and yeah, hearty. Exactly. And, uh, and quite light as well in terms of the, we've toned it down in terms of the saturated fat. Um, and it's just delicious. Yeah, a, f- a, funny, a funny dish this as well because do you know how some dishes you look at it and go, that's winter food and some that's summer food yes. that bridges the gap yeah I, re- I you know what that's such a good point yeah. because yeah. i could eat that in summer yeah because mm. it's a go and style dish so it's something that i would imagine you know would be served on the beach somewhere yeah. but that's perfect for like right now where it's yeah, like exactly. freezing outside very good <laughs> bosh, bosh. <laughs> i hope you agree that henry and ian are just two wonderful human beings who are just super chill, massively relaxed. I love the chat we had about culture uh, within creating an organization. Um, and, I, and I think it was definitely an honest conversation that um, or it was definitely one of the most honest conversations that I've had with them. Um, and, I, and, and I do, like I said, appreciate uh, their mission and, and what they're up to. Please Follow my guests uh, at bosch.tv on Instagram and make sure you check out their website as well, bosch.tv. You can catch their uh, show on itv.com and their books as well all over Amazon. You pretty much can't miss these guys. They've got a few interesting things coming out like uh, Bosch Method, um, which you can find out more about on their socials. 
um, and a whole bunch of other projects too. I just can't keep uh, up with these guys. Um, make sure you give this podcast a five-star review if you liked it. I'd love to hear your feedback and any other topics you want us to discuss. That'll be it for now. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.